and welcome back to Tachikawa. You're listening to Sakamichi Nights, and my name is Daniel Bellamy. I'm, of course, joined by Matthew Boynton. How are you today, Matthew? You've wrong-footed me again. You do this every time. You weren't expecting this. No, I've never expe- I don't know what to expect. Wearing your skin. I always know not to know what to expect. Right. Well, today is no different. My name is Matthew Boynton. Oh, God, thank and you. I'm joined by Daniel Bellamy. How has your week been this week? Did you enjoy... The Super Bowl. Uh, yeah, it was good. It was kind of a fun game. Do you think the best team won? Um, What's been the talking point to have come out of this? Well, the best team is the Browns. I think we can all agree on that. That's absolutely. The Mrs. Browns boys. And I, that's not it. But no, uh, the best team is the Cleveland Browns, um, obviously. Sadly, they weren't in the Super Bowl this year through, mm. um, you know. There can only be two egregious. teams in the Super Bowl. There are two only teams two teams in, in the, the Super, Super Bowl. Bowl. Super yeah. Bowl is the championship. Yeah, so three teams might be, you know, more exciting, but that's probably something we'll get to in like 2015. Bring the chaos. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was a pretty good game. It was pretty fun. Uh, you know, it, it ended on a, on a very late score. Mm. Uh, and then the other, the other team had a chance to, to go ahead after that. They had a few seconds left. And, you a know, buzzer-beating three-pointer. Defensive. Yeah, they, they had that opportunity, and it was a big defensive stop. So yeah. a defensive stop by a guy, Aaron Donald, who for several years has been basically the, uh, the best defensive player in the game, one of right. the best defensive players of right. all time. Uh, and I guess he is kind of maybe contemplating retirement mm. and he basically uh sealed the deal not basically like he sacked the quarterback you know that's obviously what, a big deal what, yeah he sacked the quarterback he fired uh, the quarterback on the final play of like basically to end the game right uh, this is not you know second quarterback might happen no times in a game it might happen five times in a game but it's it's not uh it's not something that happens every play so it's a pretty exciting play, and uh, to have that happen to end, like end the Super Bowl, the last play of the game was it was pretty sweet uh, for him, you know, being the player that he is, and to come up in that moment and and be as dominant as he has been his whole career is pretty cool. What did you say his name was? Aaron Donald. Aaron Backsack and Crack Donald. That's it. Yep, that's his nickname. How'd you know that? Uh, just intuition, I suppose. Oh. Well, congratulations to the Cleveland Browns for, for triumphing uh, in the ring this year. Mm. Um, I, I expect them to have another really successful season next year. Yeah, I mean, Cleveland fans always expect them to yeah. have a successful season next year. What else has been going on this week? Have we had any interesting beers come into the tap room? Have we? <laughs> we have. We yes. have. I know we have, but specifically? Are you enjoying the, the Shirasagi, our latest original beer? I'm a, I'm a big fan of the Shirasagi. Uh, you mentioned an interesting point just before we switched this microphone on. When we first started drinking it, it was very, kind of tasted very strongly of tangerines. Mm, certainly a huge tangerine aroma. Sure. And uh, I noticed that some of our customers were saying that they were getting a lot of grapefruit notes out of it. I saw mm. some of the people's reviews online and uh, also after people drinking it and talking to us about it, they were mentioning a lot of grapefruit character. So it seems like... Uh, that mm, in in some ways that character has switched from being a little bit of a initially maybe more of a sweeter citrus to more of a bitter citrus. Mm. That was kind of an interesting transition. Obviously, as frequent listeners of this podcast will know, that beers will kind of change over time as they spend they some have time in the keg. Mellowed slightly yeah. in the keg. Uh, so that's an interesting transition that it's made. But yeah, I like it a lot. I think I still do get quite a lot of tangerine in it, but it's been interesting to hear how many people pick up 
a lot of grapefruit yeah. in that, which I don't think is a flavor that either of us identified yeah. when we did tasting, but we were tasting it, you know, the, the day after it had been caked, yeah. basically. Mm -hmm. So it is kind of natural that it will mature slightly and, mm -hmm. and change its character little by little. Yeah. One other interesting beer that we have this week is the one that we're going to be celebrating mm. in this episode of Sakamichi Nights. As you know, we don't review the beers here. I'm well aware. You're familiar with this concept. Yep. Um, we celebrate the beers because we don't sell bad beer. Anything that we're selling is something that we're drinking, something that we're enjoying. That means it's a good beer. And the beer that we're going to be celebrating this week is Tsubaki from Black Tide Brewing. Mm. Um, we've had quite a lot of Black Tide Brewing beers on this podcast yep. and in this tap room. But I don't know if we've had a sour from them before, have we? Is it sour or it's a saison? It's a sour saison. Uh, a saison with sour fruit in it. Mm. Well, how would you characterize this beer before we before we start drinking it? I, I wouldn't say it's sour. I, I drank it. We have a cans of this, cans of this as well, and I took one home and drank it. Mm. And uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't characterize it as sour. It's a fruited saison. Mm. Do they say it's sour in their online their documentation? Um, yeah. The uh, what they say is that the. The sort of dry nature of the saison is complemented by the, the sour nature of the fruit. Apricot mm. is kind of a sour fruit. It is, so yeah. I guess a little tart. Yeah, it, it depends which of those flavors you're, you're really prioritizing. Mm. But hey, instead of us talking about the beer before we've drunk it, maybe it would be a better idea to drink the beer and then describe the flavor Smart. rather than speculating on it. Yep. There is a tap right there. Why don't we try it? Okay. What is your favorite flavor of potato chip? Uh, salt and vinegar. Okay, that's a very strong one. Sour cream and onion is also extremely good. It's a good choice. How do you feel about ketchup flavored crisps? Uh, I, you know, I don't have a ton of experience with them, but uh, I wouldn't choose them over other kinds of chips. But if they're available, you're not going to turn your nose up. You're no. Not, you're not going to kick them out of bed. How do you feel about pickle flavored chips? Yeah, dill pickles. Yeah, yeah that's pretty good. good. Um, anything kind of slightly sharp, I'm going to be in favor of when it comes to, to crisps, I think. How do you feel about all-dressed chips? Uh, I prefer them to all-nude crisps, mm. if that's what you're saying. Though somehow it's more erotic with the clothes on. Don't you feel? That's what that's what Canadians say about all-dressed chips. What, what exactly is an all-dressed chip? Uh, I have no idea. It's Canadian flavor that I believe uh, has to. It's ketchup plus other stuff. Ketchup, I think plus ketchup, ranch, mayonnaise, plus barbecue, plus, yeah. plus mayonnaise. No, 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 we're Canadian, not American. All of the There's sources. Poutine on there somewhere. It's got a bag of milk that they've emptied <laughs> over the crisps. What do you think of this beer, the the Tsubaki fruited saison? It's uh, one of the first. Black Tide beers that we had in was just a regular, straight up saison from them, mm. not not fruited. I remember drinking that beer. I don't know if we did drink it on the podcast, but I remember drinking that beer and going, "That is just a very good saison." Mm -hmm. There was nothing. They didn't reinvent the wheel with it. They just made a great kind of base beer. Uh, and I I don't know if they use that same base recipe for this, or they tweak it a little for the uh, the addition of the apricot puree, but. Uh, you mentioned before at Baird, like 
you can't add fruit to a bad recipe for beer. Like you have to have a good base recipe for the beer and then and then add the fruit and whatever else adjuncts on top of it. And I feel like this is that. Like it delivers just a straight up good, tasty, kind of spicy saison. And then the apricot comes along for the ride. When I smell it, I'm only getting saison, personally. And then when I drink it, I find a lot of the apricot comes yeah. through. It's not a sour, but it is a sour beer. Don't you feel? Do you not get uh, acidity from this? It almost this? smells like a sour. It certainly but doesn't taste smells like a sour. sour. And well, I don't know if it tastes sour, but there is certainly, you know, it's an acidic beer. It's a sour beer rather than being a sour mm. beer, if if that makes any sense. Um, you're right, though, that the the I've listened back to some of our old episodes recently, and we talk quite a lot of in quite a lot of them about beers where the the aroma matches the palate. Mm. And this is an interesting one because there's a little bit of a mismatch, I think. Mm. The the aroma on this one, it smells like it's going to be a lot more sour than it really mm-hmm. is. Um, maybe when you drank it from the can, maybe that aroma didn't come through quite as strongly. Mm. But I think you sort of, you prejudge it to be quite a sour beer. But then when you taste it, it's actually... You're right. It's quite mellow, mm. quite smooth, and the, um, the the slightly sour note, the slightly tart note from the fruit, blends really nicely with the, sure. the very dry nature of the saison. Mm. I thought it was. Uh, I had it from the can first, and I found it to be really nice, very drinkable, and uh, kind of an easygoing beer. Um, I thought it was quite mellow. I think this is very mellow as mm. well. Mm. But yeah, perhaps the uh, the sour aroma didn't come through so much from it's, the can. It's sour without being a sour, mm. perhaps. Mm. Um, but you do get you know a lot of the saison aroma from mm-hmm. it as well. You get some black pepper, some cloves, a lot of phenols in there. It's a really complicated and interesting mm. aroma. And then quite a different palate as well. A very interesting beer to taste. Yeah, I'd be curious to know. Like I said, we had their saison on tap. I don't know what it would be now, a year, year and a half ago, something like that. It was quite early on, I remember. Mm-hmm. And I remember saying that's just a good saison. That's, that's, there's nothing, you know, and they didn't reinvent the wheel. It, it's just, I, I'm very curious to know how much if this is just their base saison recipe with fruit puree added. Or if there's tinkering and, and modification that's happened. Mm. Yeah, it's... Again, this is pure speculation, but this strikes me as the kind of beer that is all process, right? There's there's a lot of expertise that has gone into making this beer taste this complex, but also this balanced. Mm. Uh, and it's just it's just really well made. I think is the overriding impression that I get. Now, every week when we celebrate a beer, we also try to pair it with something by spinning the wheel of pairings. Uh, I'm going to roll this dice. And there can be one of eight different options for pairing. They are number one, food or cuisine. Number two, TV or movies. Number three, music. Number four, video game. Number five, location. Number six, activity. Number seven, drinking companion. And number eight, wild card. Mm. All right, number six, activity. Mm. So drinking a stone fruit saison. Mm -hmm. What would you like to be doing whilst drinking this beer? I would like to be uh, playing a game of cornhole okay. uh, during halftime of the Super Bowl. Uh, if you could 
pick your fantasy cornhole team mm. and opponents. So is it is it two per team? Is that yeah. how you play cornhole? Yeah. Uh, uh, obviously, you can modify it based on what you have. But sure. Generally, it's two people per team. Uh, the cornhole federation haven't laid down the law that strictly yet. I, I think they're they're not really regulating what you do in your own backyard. They would again, like to try, again, though, yeah, wouldn't they? They yeah, would like they to try would, yeah. those damn cornholers. Their fingers in all kinds of cornhole pies. They, they cannot keep their fingers out of our cornholes. But who are you playing against and who are you playing <laughs> We almost had it. We almost moved on. <laughs> Whose cornhole are you flinging, <laughs> flinging my sack into? And who is flinging their sack into your cornhole? <laughs> We're going into drinking companions now, aren't we? This sure. Is... Yeah, well, why not? Why not? You're, you're doing your cornhole in. Who are you cornhole in with? Uh... Surely the, the whole point of cornhole is to enjoy people's. people's... <laughs> Just, it's just a fun game. You can play with with everybody. You can play with kids. Sure. Why not? Family members. Is that who you're going to choose? Just anybody. You're going to choose some family members. Uh, I choose Winston Churchill in a bath. Okay. He's going to be flinging the the, the, the beanbags from the bath. Yeah, I, I feel like that's going to put him at a disadvantage. He's he's on the other team. Okay. I'm playing against him. Okay. I don't think he's going to be. So you're on the Axis side of this then. Wow, I didn't, I didn't see it like that, but okay. So then my... <laughs> so you're with Mussolini on your cornhole team? <laughs> this has wandered pretty far afield, even for us. Uh, I would like to, on my, uh, the, the partner for my cornhole team, I would like to be Joe Burrow, uh, who's the quarterback for the Bengals. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's a good choice. Yeah. He's an Ohio State guy as well. Okay. You don't want somebody who's good at throwing things. You want it to be quite a fun game uh, and, and challenging for both teams. I'm not a Bengals fan, so I don't care, but he's pretty good at throwing things. Okay. Not Clearly not that good, otherwise not good his enough. team would have won the Superb yeah. Bowl. Um, good, good answer. Yeah. I think if I was um, drinking this beer whilst doing an activity, I would like to be playing dice. Okay. Um, you ever played Liar's Poker? No. Uh, I played it in a video game called uh, Red Dead Redemption. All right. So we're kind of straying into video game territory here as well. But you kind of, you have a cup full of dice and you have to roll them and secretly look at them and mm. say, okay, I think all around this table there are this many fours or this many sixes. Mm. And then people have to, to raise your, either the number on the dice or the number that they think they can get around the table, and if you everybody win, rolls their own cup of dice. Everybody rolls okay. their own cup of dice. Right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's kind of a complicated game, mm. but I think it's uh, this. This isn't a, a super strong beer, is it? It's six point five percent, so mm. it's it's not a weak one, but it's also not super strong. So you could keep it together enough to enjoy that game, right? But it's also strong enough to to sort of break down people's inhibitions, right? So that it would be a fun a fun game to mm. play. Sure. Why is poker? Yeah. Why not? There's a lot less room for, for you know, like cornhole-related jokes in your answer. Right. 
should I have chosen? Just pointing that out. Uh, okay, let me change my answer then. I'd like to like be just tucking into addition nuts. <laughs> just <laughs> get them all over the face. Yeah. Just, just nuts just everywhere. Yeah. Fistfuls. Fistfuls of nuts. That's yep. what I want. Okay. Excellent pairings this week. This uh, this beer uh, reminds me a little bit of some questions that we have received from a friend of the pod yep. and local pervert. Daniel H. Hmm. from Tokyo yep. this week. Um, he sent us a lot of questions, actually. It was but, a list, uh, a real list. I think we're not going to answer them all in the same episode. We might dip in and out uh, and occasionally go to some of his questions because mm. they are very interesting. Yeah. Um, and some of them are kind of related to each other. So why don't we start with a very simple question that he asked. What is a beer? What is beer? How would you define beer as a beverage? I guess in in modern society, the question, I, I suppose, most uh, most importantly, comes down to a legal definition, doesn't it? Like because mm. things are taxed in different categories, and you get licensed to make certain things. So practically, I think there's probably a legal definition of what is a beer. We mm. find that. Like running this, there's a difference between a, a beer brewery license and a Haposhu brewery license. Sure. Even though you might be making the exact same recipes, like uh, practically in the brewery, there is no difference between the two. But uh, technically, there there are two different licenses that you could end up with. Uh, but I think, but that's not what the question is. And I, I, I guess uh, if I were put on the spot to define what beer is, it's going to be a what a fermented alcoholic beverage that primarily uses malt hops and yeast and water as the four main ingredients. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's hard to disagree with that. So it's, you're right. It's a fermented alcoholic beverage. that's not distilled. Mm. It's fermented. Um, that gets most of its fermentable sugar from either barley or wheat. Okay. Right. That's how I would define Mm. it. Um, some beers, don't have hops in like i'm not sure if that's something that you can use to define it mm. and the fact that you are fermenting it means that it has to have yeast in it and of course it's going to have water mm. so i think it's the the base ingredients that make it a beer as opposed to like a sake or a wine because you could say it's a fermented alcoholic drink made from grain but then sake there's would, a lot in sake there, would yeah. also be uh, a beer in that case. yeah that's why i thought the hops would exclude mm. Other things that are kind yeah. of fermented grain alcohols. I, I see where you're coming from with that one, but um, yeah, maybe maybe just you know a fermented alcoholic beverage made primarily from barley and or wheat mm. um, would be the answer. So, some related questions: barley wine or wheat wine? What are these things? Are those beers? Yeah, sure. There's they're beers. I mean, they're they're named wines just to not because they are wine, but because uh, in terms of beer styles, they are closer to to wine. In terms of alcoholic, strength. like high alcohol, but also the kind of uh, I don't know exactly how you would describe the flavor, but uh, probably due to the higher alcohol content. But they they're a bit. Um, I don't even know how you would describe it, but they, they in, in some ways are more akin to wine than uh, like, uh, I don't know. I'm totally in the weeds on this one, to be honest. I think it just, 
either of those, it's going to be, again, a fermented alcoholic beverage. It's beer still, Mm. but it's made to such a high uh, ABV, a high degree of alcoholic volume that it tastes almost like a wine. Mm. Uh, And so in countries where grape cultivation wasn't really possible because of the climate, they would try to approximate some kind of wine, but make it from the kind of ingredients that they could grow, which would be either barley or wheat. So both of those are beers. They have wine in the name primarily because of just the strength of the beer. I took a friend to a beer bar once a long time ago, and she was not a beer drinker at all. And I had wanted to go to this place, so I kind of just dragged her along and a couple other people that we were with. And uh, when we got there, uh, they had a barley wine. It was on tap or in bottles or whatever. This was a long time ago. Um, But she was not a beer drinker. She didn't like beer at Mm, all. mm. But she ended up, she liked wine quite a lot. She drank all kinds of other stuff. Uh, She ended up ordering the barley wine and drinking that. And she loved it. Six bunch of barley wine. Yeah. uh, She said it was very much like a tawny port was her description. Okay. What does that mean? I don't know exactly. Tawny, T-A-W-N-Y, port. Uh, But she was kind of... Uh, gobsmacked, if you will. She was very surprised, I think, both at how much she liked it mm. and also how much it reminded her of, as I said, a tawny port. Uh, she kept saying, man, this is just like a tawny port and uh, enjoying this barley wine. So uh, at least for her, like a, a very a dedicated wine drinker, very much not a beer drinker, she had a barley wine and was uh, totally enamored with it and really enjoyed it. But I think also we have discovered the name for the first barley wine that we're going to make, mm. Tawny Port. I can't believe it's not a Tawny Port. I can't believe it's not Tawny Port. Mm. Uh, a similar question, what is mead? Is mead a beer? Mead is uh, it's, it's an, it's an alcoholic drink made from fermenting honey, is it not? Right. So is that a beer based on our definition? No. It's not. I don't think it is. And I think that like the character of mead... I've drunk mead before, is mm. quite different from the yeah. character of beer. It's kind of smooth and sweet mm. and more wine-like than, uh, than beer-like. But I would say it's in a category all of its own because, mm. as you say, it's just it's fermented from water and honey, basically. Yeah. So that can be really strong. When does a beer stop being a beer? So we said that beer gets its fermentable sugar from either barley or, or wheat, but a beer like this, the Tsubaki, has fruit puree in it. And that fruit puree, that's always a phrase that I struggle with for yeah. some reason, uh, will have sugar in it, which, of course, the yeast will, will eat sure. and turn into alcohol. So does that mean that this kind of thing is, is still a beer or is this, does this stop being a beer? Well, this certainly is because the majority, you know, the base, the base beer, the Saison, is made with, with malted grains like... Uh, like any other beer, but I, it's a question of percentage, isn't it? Mm. A lot of the the big American breweries and even the small ones have been pivoting at least partially into making hard seltzers. Right. Uh, these are not beers, but made on the exact same equipment. Do you know uh, how they make hard seltzer? I do not. So I'm, I'm not setting you up for anything here. I don't. Is there I'm... grain involved? Is there? Yeah, I'm guessing that that probably isn't because any grain that you use to make that kind of alcohol is going to impart a color to it. Mm. And that's almost inescapable. Right. But when I've seen hard seltzers, they're often 
clear, know, clear or yeah. colorless. Mm. And so that, that almost can't be made out of grain right. unless you're distilling the alcohol that you ferment right. from the grain sure. before using it. Yeah, so I, I think those kind of things are very clearly not beer, right. despite being made by breweries in breweries with their existing equipment. There's you, I can see how you could use the same equipment to make that kind of sparkling drink, mm. but you're certainly not sort of mixing grains and hot right. water to to change into to wort yeah. and then fermenting that. Sure. You're doing something else with that equipment. But this Tsubaki is, I mean, Saison is, is clearly a beer by our definition or anybody else's definition. Uh, so the, the addition of fruit puree to it mm. doesn't make it not a beer, right? Right, yeah. I, I think that's exactly right. So it's, it's a beer with something else added into it. And unless you start getting into some ridiculous percentage, then it, it's still a beer by our definition. You, you're primarily getting the fermentable sugars from the the starch from either barley mm. or wheat. So that would still make it a beer, I guess. Hello, this is Matthew from the future. In the conversation you're about to hear, we refer several times to beer made with apple juice as being a grisette. It is, of course, a graph. I can only apologize. Like um, if you start blending together different sources of fermentable sugar, then that gets into you know, a, a slightly more difficult uh, territory. Um, do you know what a grisette is, for example? Was it? Is it the one that's done with apple juice? Sure. Yeah. So you're kind of mixing fifty-fifty beer wort and apple juice and fermenting that. So it's halfway between a cider, which is made from pressed fruit juice, pressed apple juice, and a beer, which is made from uh, barley or wheat. Mm. So that that's kind of halfway in between. It's almost its own. Its own thing entirely, isn't it? It's mm. neither one nor the other. Right. But in that case, you're adding the fruit juice kind of right at the start of fermentation. Mm. Whereas I think with a lot of these these fruit adjunct beers, like the ones that we have in here, you're adding a little bit of puree, and you're probably doing it later on into the process mm. as well. So the the primary sugars that are being fermented are not coming from the fruit fruit puree or the fruit juice mm. in this case. When does a beer stop being a beer though? Is there a, a situation where you've sort of, you've processed this far enough that you, you can stop reasonably being able to call it a beer? Nah, some, of the, some of the real, like the, some of the real smoothie, fruit smoothie things that have mm. been coming out in the We've last several recently, years. Sour milkshake beers like sour smoothie beers we've had some i mean we have in the fridge right now and i think it's delicious but uh westbrook's uh their shake series a bunch mm. of lactose ipas we have the pina colada shake in the fridge right now that's nominally an ipa right it tastes like a pina colada it's delicious um but it's uh that's not so much i mean that one is definitely kind of pushing the bounds of of what you might expect looking on a can and seeing ipa and taking that home with you but some of the fruit smoothie stuff, some of the stuff that comes in from the Vale, uh, double-fruited sours and things like that, you you could pour that into a into a glass at a at a health food place in in downtown LA and give it to people, you know, and, and like and maybe you should do that. Maybe well. you should, yeah, and charge fifty dollars for it. Uh, Snap some sense into some people. Sure, um, that kind of stuff. 
yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't know what goes into making those beers, like what kind of percentages it is and, and what's in there. But that stuff to me really pushes the bounds of like, mm. is this, is this like, this is, you're saying this is a beer, you're a brewery. Like I know mm. the Vale makes great beers. We've had a lot of their stuff in. It's been really delicious. Some of the things you pour them out and you go, this is, this is literally a fruit, an alcoholic fruit smoothie. Right. Which is not necessarily a bad thing. No, I mean, really, really delicious. Vail makes great stuff, yeah. Uh, but once you've added the pancake batter and the blueberries, <laughs> is it still necessarily a beer? I mean, uh, it, it's, a, it's a tricky question, isn't it? And I don't think there is a hard and fast answer to it. There is certainly an enormous amount of variance in what could be classically considered a beer. I know that in the fridge right now, waiting to go on, we have a keg of peanut butter milk stout mm-hmm. from Belching Beaver, yep. one of our favorite beers, one that's come up several times on this podcast. And uh, I, I really enjoy people watching people come in here who don't have a lot of craft beer experience and trying different kinds of beers. Mm-hmm. And I have one particularly strong memory of a lady coming in here and trying, I think it might have even been that apricot sour IPA that we had from the pub room. Mm. She's one of the sourest beers we've sour, ever yeah. had on tap. Incredibly yeah. sour. She had it. Didn't have a lot of craft beer experience. She's like, I want something fruity. I'm going to try this. Okay, that was pretty good. I like that. That wasn't what I was expecting from a beer, but it was mm. really nice. Next, I'm going to try this peanut butter milk stout. <laughs> like, it's hard to imagine a more different experience yeah. that you could have in a glass from something kind of really sour and fruity and acidic uh, to something that's really smooth mm. and creamy yeah. and sweet. Rich. Both of those are 100% beers. Mm. No, no doubt about it. Yeah. Um, and so there is already an incredible amount of variation in what could be classically considered a beer. But then once you start adding things like lactose and, and making smoothies out of the beers, I don't know. I don't know where one drink finishes and another one begins. Perhaps sure. we have to defer to what the, the Japanese taxman says and just look at how much malt was used in yeah. their production. So again, it goes back. I think there's two different questions. The one question is kind of the practical question for us as owners of a business like this and other people like us. Like, what is what is the legal definition? That's sure. what matters, right? Right. Are, are you making beer or are you not? Do you have a license to make what it is you want to make based and, on and your recipe? And sometimes that can come down to when did you put the clarifying agent in? Did you put it in sure. during the boil or during the well pool? Uh, and, and that will be the difference between right. a beer and a half potion. But then the other question is what we're talking about here. And it's it's largely just a philosophical discussion of yeah. how do you define it, come up with your own criteria. And at the end of the day, you know, it doesn't matter. Like sure. the veil stuff, the, the real fruit smoothie. Uchu's been doing some of this as well. Some real smoothie sours that come out fruit smoothies. If you like it, if you enjoy it, if you think it's tasty, then drink it. You know, I don't. it doesn't bother me if it's called a beer. It's not called a beer what you consider it to be. Uh, it's it's all just an academic discussion. It's an interesting thing to talk about and to consider. Uh, but the reality for us is, what does the tax office consider a beer? <laughs> that, that's true. And uh, in a way, it kind of reminds me a bit of um, quite a while ago, I was talking to somebody about music, and it came up that I liked um, the band Pink Floyd. And uh, the person I was talking to was like, oh, well, what do you think of that uh, Scissor Sisters cover version of that Pink Floyd song? You must hate that. I was like, no, I think, I think it's really fun. I enjoyed mm. it. It's, mm. It sounded good to me. Like We don't have to be 
real jerks about sort of the definition of yeah. of what is or isn't music. Yeah. It's either fun or it isn't. Right. But, uh, I think the same goes for beer. Mm. Um, you either enjoy it or you don't enjoy it. And that's sure. a, a far more important distinction than mm-hmm. exactly what 100% philosophically constitutes a beer. Yeah, there's, uh, you know, there's no, there's no, I don't think there's any point or value to being gatekeepers. Absolutely we not. We can let people no. enjoy what they want to enjoy and, uh, and we can enjoy what we want to enjoy and every, the world will be a happier place for allowing people their, their happiness and their enjoyment where they find it. Until now, we have been saying that one of our slogans is good beer for everyone. Mm. Perhaps we should update that to just be good drinks for everyone. Yeah. Who cares if it's beer or not, as long as you enjoy it. That's the important thing. Thank you very much, local poet Daniel H. They're extremely good questions. Mm. Uh, I'm sure we will be revisiting this long, long list that you have sent in to us um, many episodes into the future. Now, do we have anything else exciting coming up on tap or in the fridge over the next week or so? Uh, We've got great stuff coming up. One that I'm particularly excited about, we have, uh, you know, I like dark beers. We've got two kegs of dark beers in the fridge coming up next from Two Rabbits. Mm. We have uh, their cherry chocolates, excuse me, cherry coconut coconut. imperial stout, which we have cans of as well. At 9%, it's a bit of a big boy, but that's going to be pretty great. We have a keg of Midnight Flame mm. from Black Tide, which is their cherry stout. You also have cans of. Uh, and unfortunately, we don't have bottles or cans of this, but we have Truffle Hunter, which is the right. cacao stout? Cacao porter? Cacao stout from Gnomecraft, mm. I believe. Uh, I, I, that, this, this is my wheelhouse. This is what I like. This is what I want to drink most of the time. So I, I'm pretty stoked. But we've got a lot of dark beers in the fridge, as right. you know. We have that big keg of black butts as well, and we have the peanut butter milk stout. We have also, I, I mean, I didn't want to go too far into this. I was only going to list two, and then the Gnomecraft added on. But, uh, but if you want to get wild with it, we have a 20-liter keg of Georgetown Brewing's 18-pound uh, porter. Mm. They uh, normally make a beer called 9-pound porter. Right. Can you guess what happened with 18 pound? Nine pound porter is like a 6.5%, 6% pound uh, porter. Okay, let me guess. Tell me, tell me what you think 18 pound porter might be. Uh, the taxman charged them double the excise for it. Uh, they did, but for a very good reason. They doubled the amount of malt that they used. Yes, which led to... A very strong beer. That's right. 13.5%, I think, this year's edition is. The, the plan is to put this one on for our... Two-year anniversary. Yeah, so that's right? that's uh, yeah. Sorry, that's a bit far in the future, but I'm I'm really looking forward to that. The the fact that we have four of our own beers on tap at the moment does lead to a real tap crunch mm. for all of the guest taps, doesn't it? We only have four other taps to play with, yeah. and if our anniversary IPA does arrive before one of these four finishes, we're mm. going to have even fewer guest taps uh, for a short while. And so yet we might still, just have to make them all dark beers. What a what a terrible situation that would yeah. be. Yeah, I mean, we've still been ordering as if we have more guest taps sure. available. So we might want to. Uh, Maybe make, we should just order some more taps as well while yeah, we're at it. Well, yeah, that's a solution, really. Lots of good beer coming up. So mm. please stay tuned to our social media to find out more about that. Um, as I kind of hinted at there, we have our second year anniversary event coming up. That's going to be mid March. Um, as we did last year, provided we are able to be open, 
we're hoping to spread that over two weekends yeah to make sure we don't you know crowd everyone in here yeah just all at the same time um and so i think the dates are right when i say that that will be running from friday the 11th to sunday the 20th mm. of march uh, of course that is subject to change if governor koike suddenly decides that we can't be open uh, or if anything else happens, but that is our plan as it currently stands. And as with all our events, well, not all of them, but this one in particular, we're going to have uh, some exciting stuff going on. We'll have some exciting beers. We'll do some giveaways. Uh, yeah, it should be a good new anniversary IPA. Nine days. Yep, new beer coming in. New t-shirts. Yep, t-shirt deals. I was going to tease it, but you're just. Set it all Just out. Go there. for it. There's, okay. there's a bunch of stuff yeah. coming. It's great. It's right. all amazing. Uh, and it all will be beer. Cornhole with Winston Churchill. Prepare your cornholes. It's all happening. Our anniversary event <laughs> is coming. Thank you very much for listening again this week. I've been Daniel Bellamy, and I will see you again next time. And I'm Matthew Boynton. Thank you so much.